0: Let us be attentive.
1: The rulers take counsel together. Why did the Gentiles brag so furiously and the people contrive vain things?
0: Wisdom. The reading
1: is from the first epistle of St. Paul to the Corinthians.
0: Let us be attentive.
1: Brethren, not discerning the lord's body for this reason many are weak and sick among you and many need sleep for if we would judge ourselves we would not be judged but when we are judged we are chastened by the lord that we may not be condemned with the world.
2: Peace be to the reader. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia.
0: The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. The Lord said to his disciples, you know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas and took counsel together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be a tumult among the people. Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster of flask, a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when the disciples saw it, they were indignant saying, why this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Then one of the 12, who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, what will you give me if I deliver the hymn to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. But on the first day of unleavened bread, The disciples came to Jesus saying, where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, go into the city to a certain one and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he sat at table with the 12 disciples Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments and girded himself with a towel. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he had girded. He came to Simon Peter and Peter said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing to you What I am doing you you do not know now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part in me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but he is clean all over, and you are clean, but not every one of you for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, you are not all clean. When he had washed their feet and taken his garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Truly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful, and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The son of man goes as it is written to him, but woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas who betrayed him said, is it I master? He said to him, you have said so. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take eat, this is my body and he took a cup And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I shall not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter declared to him, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, this very night before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go yonder and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch over me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down upon the ground. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so you could not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again for the second time he went away and prayed. My Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, thy will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, lest we we be going, let us be going see my betrayer is at hand. While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the 12, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given him a sign saying, the one I shall kiss is the man, seize him. And he came to Jesus at once and said, hail master. And he kissed him and Jesus said to him, friend, why are you here? Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place for all all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do not think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels. But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so. At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I sat in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. All this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. But Peter followed him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest, and going inside he sat with the guards to see the end. Now the chief priests and the whole council sought false testimony against Jesus, that they might put him to death. But they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last two came forward and said, This fellow said I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus was silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so. But I tell you hereafter, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. Why do we still need witnesses? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered, He deserves death. Then they spat in his face and struck him, and some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ. Who is it that struck you? Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a maid came to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the porch, another maid saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth, and again he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you are also one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the cock crowed, and Peter remembered the words of Jesus, Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. When the morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death, and they bound him and led him away and delivered him to Pilate, the governor.
2: of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This divine liturgy, as I'm sure you have heard before, is unique. It stands apart from all the other liturgies that we serve throughout the year because, well, first of all, it's in the middle of Holy Week, but it represents something very significant for our liturgical life and for our sacramental life, okay? So when I when I say liturgical life, I mean the worship services that we participate in throughout our lives, but when I say sacramental life, I mean specifically the services that we consider to be the communication of the Holy Spirit into the world through us. By that, just to make it simple, the seven sacraments that, uh, that we refer to. The Eucharist, of course, is the greatest of all sacraments. This liturgy is often referred to as the liturgy of institution. We do not use that terminology for other liturgies throughout the year because this one represents the time when Christ established that we are to break bread and eat it and drink, offer wine and drink it in a sanctified manner to commemorate, to commemorate Of course, the event at the Last Supper or Mystical Supper, that he, the last meal, he had with his disciples. But above all things, of course, to continue to sanctify ourselves with the body and blood of Jesus. He showed us, essentially, how to become continuous continuous participants in himself, in his body and blood. But you might say, why is that so? Just because I say it? Well, not only because I say it, though I'm hoping that because I say it has a little bit of value, but maybe it shouldn't have all the value in the world, right? Or if I say something and it has some value to you, I better have some reason as to why I'm saying it with placing that kind of value. So why do we take this experience of Christ with His disciples and this action of His to sanctify bread and call it with His disciples, this is my body. I mean, that would have been very, very strange, especially with his friends. They had spent three years plus together, right? In Acts chapter 2, as a matter of fact, we are told that Christians understood this to be a commandment, and the apostles and disciples celebrated this repeatedly or continuously. We see it in Acts chapter 2. And remember, the book of Acts in the New Testament is, for all intents and purposes, the first book that shows the history of the Church of Christ. Then, again, in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul in chapter 11, Paul tells his people, his church in Corinth, to do this, precisely because this was a commandment that Christ gave to his closest disciples, the apostles. And remember, at the time, Paul was not there, right? He was not yet an apostle. But he tells them, this is why we have this liturgical sacramental celebration, and He even goes further and says, and when you partake of it, you have to do so worthily. We have to do this with a different type of preparation. This is not just any meal, he says. This is not just a typical breaking of bread. This is a sanctification of bread typically prepared and a sanctification of wine, typically prepared, so that it becomes not typically prepared bread and wine, but so that it becomes his body and blood, and for you and I to continuously become participants in Christ. And it's not just St. Paul it's the others also. And it's not just those apostles, but those who came after them. St. Ignatius goes on and repeats the same lesson, the same teachings in Antioch, right? Where the apostle Paul had passed and Ignatius remained to, uh, after, after Paul to become the bishop there in Antioch. And he teaches the same thing. And he uses language that becomes even more beautiful than we find in Paul's letters in the New Testament. He calls it, this is the medicine of immortality by which we no longer know death. This is why the liturgy and the worship of the church is not just typical song and reading and any meal. Please do not allow yourselves to be fooled. There were people even back then who wanted to do away with the sanctifying work of the church. It's not just modern Christianity that eliminates sacramental and liturgical life. This did not start in the 15 and 16 and 1700s. This debate happened even with the Apostle Paul, even with Ignatius. But the church prevailed. And the teachings of Christ, which are recorded, as you see in the book of Acts, which are recorded as you see in the letters of the apostle paul and the others have been reinforced with the revelation throughout the centuries by countless fathers of the church may the lord god grant us the wisdom willingness and love to always return to the church to bring our prayers with all those next to us to sanctify what we typically prepare into what becomes the medicine of immortality. Amen.